Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She went to Redmond High School, where she, I believe she's still the all-time kills leader with 35 kills in one match. Wow. Uh, she went on to go to the Ivy League and play for Dartmouth before transferring to UBC, where she's a newly crowned U Sports National Champion and contributed with over 20 points in the national final. Please welcome to the show, Elise Pettit. Elise, thanks for doing this. Of course, thanks for having me. So, Elise, usually we uh, take it from the top here, and I think you've got an interesting story with uh, being a dual citizen. You kind of grew up in Canada. You kind of grew up in the U.S. So, before you got in to volleyball. Uh, where in the world were you growing up and what other sports were you playing? Yeah, so I was born in Toronto and I lived there with my family until I was about five and then um, moved to Seattle and um, that's where I stayed until I, came, I went to college and um, yeah, I mean, I played just about every sport under the sun, uh, you know, basketball, tennis, um, swimming. I rode horses, I actually still do and that was probably my other main sport actually coming up for a while. But yeah, then kind of dropped that to pursue volleyball. Nice. Uh, what age do you think you were when you started taking volleyball seriously? Like, did you start playing club at a certain age? Yeah, um, I actually started playing kind of late. I was 14 when I started playing club. And I was definitely the development pick on that team, let me tell you. They looked at me and was like, this kid doesn't know what to do with volleyball, but she's pretty tall and like seems to like it. So maybe we can do something with it. And so yeah, 14 zero was my first year. Uh, were you stuck in the middle because you're so tall? Actually, no, they put me on the right side, which is really surprising. We had actually a couple of really good mills. Um, and I'm that's funny enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably one of the tallest players out there who's never played middle before in my life. <laughs> nice. And uh, just help me out because I'm not familiar with the Seattle club scene. Would you play in your region mostly? Would you guys go across the U.S.? Like, what were some of the tournaments or events you were playing in? Yeah, so we played in, like, Puget Sound region. And we would play, you know, a lot of local teams and stuff like that. And our club is pretty good for our region. And then, you know, we'd go to the national qualifiers and get kicked around by all the Texas and California teams and stuff. But it was it was kind of a really, I think it was honestly the perfect mix of, like, that kind of competition where, you know, we could go be really successful at the local level and then be pushed really hard at the national level. Um, so, yeah, it was, we would, we, you know, play a lot of different teams, but mostly we played regional. Nice. And with you growing up in a pretty athletic family and, and really loving sport, at uh, what point did you know that university was going to be an option? Like, did you start contacting schools? Were you recruited? Were coaches pushing you to go play at university? Like, what was the story there? Yeah, so it's funny. After I, after that, you know, first 14 year where I just like, didn't know what was going on, um, I just, I loved it so much. And I would get in the gym and do, you know, individuals, such a gym rat with my coaches. Um, and I came back after my high school season, I was in my sophomore season in my 15th club year to try out. And my coach was like, holy crap, what did you do? Like you, you could go play in college. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't really have the concept of like what college was in general, let alone playing sports. And he was kind of sat me down and explained to me, like, this is what you can go. This is where this can take you. Right. And, um, and yeah, I was kind of like, all right, like I want to keep playing, so you know, let me let me at it. And then once I started getting recruited that year, um, it was just such a whirlwind. Like the once you know, it seems like once one coach kind of finds you, they all just descend on you. And um, and yeah, it was a lot of attention really fast for somebody who didn't really know what was happening. But yeah, and it was just yeah, really cool, um, cool thing to see that I had that many opportunities. And how did you start to narrow down uh, where you were going to go? Because obviously to go to the Ivy League, I imagine academics were a big focus of yours, but uh, that's literally across the country. So who else were you considering and what kind of visits did you go on before landing on Dartmouth as the spot? 
Yeah, um, yeah. So Dartmouth actually was my first. They were the first ones that reached out to me. It wasn't the coaching staff that I ended up playing for um, that recruited me, but um, yeah, they reached out to me and I had a couple connections with my club. A, a girl from my club who was older played there. But once I kind of decided that I wanted to go the academic route with things, um, that I got a lot of attention. Like all eight Ivies were on me immediately. But the it's funny with recruiting and those types of schools. The pool of players that they can pick from is very small. You know, Logan Eggleston is never going to go to Harvard, right? She's going to go to Texas where she can commit all of her time to volleyball. doesn't have to worry about school. Um, and so the type of players that have the scores to get in and the volleyball skills that you want and are interested in that kind of thing are it's a really small pool that you're picking from. So they all kind of, once you're identified, like they're all on you. Um, so I was really talking to a lot of the Ivies, but I also got some interest from bigger schools like mostly as walk-on offers, just kind of stuff like that. Um, but, you know, Washington, USC, I think I took a visit, or I talked to Notre Dame, um, just some, you know, bigger schools like that, which, again, was just crazy because I was watching those girls on TV a year ago, right? Like, you know, in the final four. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty cool. But, yeah, once I kind of decided I wanted to go to academic route, that's, I kind of focused in on there. Nice. And so you landed Dartmouth. And how did you feel uh, combining being a varsity athlete and the academics there? Because I imagine if you can't hack it academically, it doesn't matter how many points you're scoring as a varsity athlete, right? Like you have to get it done. So uh, how did you manage just the time there of like, maybe you have to miss a practice because you have an exam or something like that? Like, how did you manage being uh, at a very demanding school, both academically and athletically? Um, yeah, it was honestly that place is a freaking pressure cooker, man. It's a really tough environment to play in. All the Ivies are any type of school like that is a hard place to play a sport. Um, I think Dartmouth, the, as an institution and, and their athletic department, did a pretty good job of making sure that we had a lot of resources. You know, they're not wanting for money, so they love to spend it on us and make sure that we were, um, you know, had all the resources that we could possibly need to, to succeed. Um, but it was really hard. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. There were times when I was like, man, F this. Like, I'm going to quit. I can't blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I think there were times when maybe my coach didn't really understand the the um, obligations that we had and the responsibilities that we had, too. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a pretty tough, uh, tough thing to do. But I think there was a lot of... Um, a lot of support and you know once you're kind of in it you just you don't really have another option you just kind of have to do it so <laughs> and how did you feel like your role changed over the year like I'm not sure if you expected to play as a first year but you certainly got in a lot and as it seems like you got a little bit older it seemed like you were the demand was higher and obviously like your, your stats speak to that so uh, did you have expectations that you wanted to start as a freshman or was it kind of a battle that first year oh my god yeah it was such a battle like I've asked my parents, like, I was calling them all the time, like, please, I want to quit, let me come home, this sucks. Um, you know, and I think part of that is, you know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game there. You know, you're not, I'm not bigger than everybody else and can just pound the ball on the floor anymore. Like, it's a tougher game. Um, and they're, the girls there were really good. And I also, I came in a little out of shape, not really sure what to expect, um, you know, just really not kind of where I needed to be, I think. And so it was, it was definitely a battle really developing the skills that I needed in my freshman year. Um, and then after that, you know, we lost our starting outside and there was an open spot. And um, and so, yeah, I got to, you know, step up and play some more. But yeah, that freshman year, man, it was such a grind, like such a grind. 
And when you look back now, like what would you credit to the difference between your first year and maybe one of your last years where all of a sudden you're getting like double digit points every match, you're getting like attempts where I'm looking at the stat sheet and there's there's matches where it's not unusual that you're getting 30 attempts, like 43 on the high end. So uh, just mentally, how did you prepare for that differently knowing that like you were all of a sudden like the, the star of the team and like if you play well, we're going to win and if you don't play well, we probably weren't going to do that well, right? Yeah, yeah, it was really tough. Um, I think, you know, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of pressure and, and the way that, that just my coach's kind of coaching philosophy and how we ran our matches, I think it did end up putting a lot of pressure on certain individuals to do really well. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that helped me out a lot in this last weekend, for sure. But yeah, you know, I think it, it really took a lot of developing my mental game. That was probably my weakest skill you know coming in like I could pass it and block but I, I could not hold it together for an entire match all the time and so um developing that mental game and the ability to just kind of be like you know what I'm just gonna go do my thing like whatever happens happens if he pulls me cool if he, if he lose whatever like I just have to do like my best um and you know I can't control every single thing that's gonna happen on the court and kind of accepting that I think it, it really helped me be able to just feel like play a little bit more free. Nice, nice. And, and as uh, everyone kind of dealt with, uh, you were dealt a tough hand with COVID there, kind of interrupting your, your studies there. What made you want to start shopping and maybe do a master's in Canada or go to a different school? Like what kind of sparked the change? Yeah, it's funny. So I should have mentioned this during the recruiting portion, but um, I actually turned down Doug and Ethan here to go to Dartmouth. Like that was, this was my other option at UBC. Um, and I think I spent all four years kind of wondering what if, what if, what if. Um, and so, you know, the second that that happened, and actually I remembered specifically Ethan's email to me when I told him I was going to go to Dartmouth. I wrote, I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, I can't pass up these opportunities because they just treated me so well during the recruiting. I felt awful telling them that I couldn't come play for them, right? And Ethan said, um, you know, you have to go where your heart leads you and, you know, please let us know if your circumstances change. And so immediately I was like, whipped out the computer, like, hey, don't know if you remember me, but uh, I have an extra year now. You need an outside. And they responded and we're like, yeah, like, you know, let's get on a call. We totally remember you. And it was just like, it felt like such a full circle moment. And I, you know, I, I talked a little bit to Notre Dame. I think it's my old coach coached there, but really I never, like, I never considered anywhere else. I was just like, I need to go see this through. And I'm, I'm so glad that I did. And, and yeah, it's, I really, in some weird way, I feel really lucky almost that COVID happened and gave me the opportunity to come do this. Because otherwise I'd be working a nine to five right now, for sure. You know, volleyball would be over for me. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool opportunity that I got. Wow, that, that's so cool to hear. So uh, were you paying attention to the team at all? Like, were you familiar with how consistent uh, UBC does with Coach Reimer and, and the level of U-sports before you transferred? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's hard not to um, to be aware, at least, of how decorated this program is and the most decorated program in U-sport. And it's just a legendary coach. Like, And, and I think the way that they treated me as people during or as a person during my recruiting visit was like it made such an impression on me they were just so kind and and were I could tell that no matter whether I decided to come play for them or go somewhere else that they were rooting for me and um and so yeah I think I you know I had kept up a little bit on social media and stuff and but I mean you know for the most part I was kind of focused on my own thing but yeah I I, I was like you know this is a 
this is a really good program. And I was almost like, you know, am I really like good enough to come here and play? <laughs> like, do you really think that I could come do this? And, um, you know, if I do, like, I'll probably just ride the bench and have a good time. And then, it's, you know, like, like a fun last year, like no expectations to play or anything. And, and yeah, it was, and, you know, just to come and, and be a part of such a incredible team and something that's so accomplished is so, so cool. Now, I, I'm obviously biased as a big fan of Canadian volleyball. Would you say going from the Ivy League to the Canada West that the Canada West is, is as tough or on par with, like, the level you were playing in the NCAA? Yeah, yeah, I would say it's definitely at least as tough. I think, personally, it's probably, like, I was scared, honestly, stepping into our first practice. I was like, oh, my God, like, what have I gotten myself into? These girls can jump and bounce a ball and, like, dive in all over the place. I think mainly the style of play is pretty different. I think it's a lot faster here and um and yeah there's just kind of a lot more going on it feels like on the court sometimes like it felt like we were playing very simple volleyball a lot of times at Dartmouth and um not to take away obviously from anything there but um yeah just a total different style of play and it was a big adjustment to to come here and to and to just see that like yeah like these these girls can play man like they can play yeah that's so cool to hear and, and I'm curious how did you manage the uh maybe the internal battle where you're technically a first year, but you're also like a fifth year academically. So how did the, did the team make you feel comfortable that even though you're a first year, but you're a little bit older, like how did you manage being a rookie and a vet at the same time? <laughs> yeah, really, really strange spot that I was kind of in. Um, yeah, it was very weird. And being in my master's, I was really busy with school a lot of the time. So I felt kind of removed from the team in some ways, a lot of the time, but um just due to circumstance, but um, I mean, I I just, I can't even explain how grateful I am for the girls that are on this team and, and everybody involved in this program for just totally like welcoming me with open arms. And like, in my senior speech, I used the phrase like, went straight for the hug instead of the handshake because they just totally did. And like, just, you know, grabbed me and didn't let go um, and supported me no matter what, you know, first year, fifth year, who cares, like, doesn't matter. Um, and, and yeah, and, and I think it was, it made it a lot easier for me to kind of adjust to being on a new team while also being able to use the experience that I had, you know, I think it was obvious to everybody that like, it's not like I was a true rookie, obviously, you know, I've played some university matches before and, um, and I think they, you know, really respected that and valued that and people, um, wanted to hear about that they were interested in in you know my experience and all that stuff so yeah it was really yeah it was kind of a funky uh funky year um but yeah I, I just you know my team just made it so easy for me and what can you tell us about a little bit behind the scenes of what makes UBC go uh, so strong in terms of like what Doug Reimer brings to the table like what are practices like What's his communication style? Because it seems to be like, I imagine if we had him on the show, he would give credit to a lot of other people. But let's be honest, he deserves a big chunk of this. So what was your impression with Coach Reimer and what makes the program so strong? Oh, man, I think I truly cannot say enough good things about Doug. Um, he's just obviously like he just knows volleyball inside and out and, um, you know, is knows how to teach the game really well. Um, I think he he surrounds himself with, other coaches and support staff who also know the game really well and are amazing coaches. He, I think a big thing that, something that really matters to me a lot is how he treats his people. Um, and that really comes out on the court. I think he, he values us so much beyond our athletic ability and 
I know that, you know, even if last weekend I went out there and crapped the bed, like I, he would have been there at the end with a huge hug and, you know, to say that he was proud of me. Um, and that really, I think, gives all of us the ability to like just go and, and play. And he talks a lot about, you know, we don't want to try, try easy, try easy. And, you know, it's, um, you don't want to like overextend. And I think he just, yeah, he, I don't, I don't know, man. It just, I can't even explain how grateful I am to have learned from him. And I really just, I'm, I feel privileged that he got me worthy of learning from him. Wow, that, that's so cool to hear. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that you were keeping track of UBC and you, and you kind of knew the program you were stepping into. But uh, were you also familiar with maybe some of the rivalries? And what I mean is uh, you guys had a big first semester, but you ended playing Alberta and Trinity Western. So two tough back-to-back weekends there playing top teams. Like, were you kind of looking around me like, I don't know who anyone is. Uh, you guys tell me this is a big game. Or did you kind of sense that like these are going to be, that maybe some games are, are a little bit more magnified than others about some rivalries you guys have inherited over the years? Yeah, yeah, it's funny, you know, like the week leading up to a match, like obviously people are chatting about the game, like, and and it's it's funny, everybody knows each other here, right? Like, I feel like the Canadian volleyball community is so small, and so any team we play, there's girls on my team being like, oh, I'm so excited to see this person, or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know who any of those people are, where the hell is Pam Loops, like, what is going on? Um, And and yeah, it took me a while to kind of figure it out, Um, but yeah, and, and with those bigger matches too, I mean, I think with Trinity, like, we played them in my pre in preseason when I first got here and just driving to Langley and like seeing that, you know, it's so close and kind of hearing people talk about Trinity, Trinity, Trinity. Um, you know, I kind of knew like, and obviously they're just a powerhouse volleyball program. Like they're just a good team. Um, and so I kind of, you know, kind of understood a little bit, but wasn't really sure. And, um, and yeah, so it was pretty, it's been really cool, honestly, to get to know, um, kind of all the ins and outs of the community up here and um, and all the different schools and rivalries and to get to see parts of the country that I've never seen before too and to go places that, yeah, that maybe I've wanted to go but haven't had the chance to. And, and yeah, it's, so it's, it's been really sick. But yeah, I came in here and was like, I don't know anything. I'm just going to go put on the jersey and get on the court. <laughs> Now, uh, an added layer for you this year to deal with the distraction of uh, hosting nationals. And I'm wondering, how did you guys approach that, knowing that uh, no matter how well or how poorly you did this season, you were at a spot at nationals? Like, what, was it something that you guys addressed? Was it something that Doug Reimer was talking about, you know, we want to earn our way there? Like, what were some of the conversations about, like, instead of just thinking, oh, we have it made, no matter, this this game doesn't matter, versus, like, how are you connected to a goal? Yeah, I think we talked a lot about earning it. Um I think it would have been, which, you know, ultimately maybe we didn't follow through on that how we wanted to. Um, but yeah, we talked a lot about earning our spot and kind of proving that we deserve to be there. Um, and cause yeah, I mean, we would not have been there had we not been hosting and, um, and yeah, you know, just, just to grind it out through the season and to give us, give ourselves the best possible chance of doing well once we got in that moment. Um, you know, like everybody wants to talk about nationals, but really it's the however many months leading up to that and even beyond um, that that really make the difference. And so I think, you know, we got pushed this year and by some really good teams, we lost some tough matches this year. Um, and I think ultimately that really prepared us well to come play. And yeah, obviously, you know, being at home is, is huge having... Um, home court advantage, not having to travel 
having um, the crowd, like that was crazy, 2,100 people, man, like that's insane. And just the student section going insane, where like, I totally turned the tide for us at some point, seriously. Um, and um, so, yeah, it was, but, but Doug also talks a lot about managing distractions because, you know, there are kind of an extra set of challenges that come when you are at home. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think it would have been easy for us to kind of roll over and be like, yeah, we're going to be here anyway, whatever. And then just be like stars in our eyes the whole weekend and, and lose the first match. But we didn't do that. We were really focused and, and wanted to go earn it. Now, uh, obviously t- tough to bring up, but what was the response? Uh, you host the quarterfinals, but you dropped two to Manitoba. And obviously, like, I know you had the safety net that you're still going to nationals, but that's not the way you wanted your Canada West season to end. So uh, what was kind of the recovery or just the conversations after that? Because uh, losing to a tough team, but losing to a tough team when you had hopes of, you know, playing further at home and you followed up a really good regular season, like what were just some of the, the leaders on the team saying or what were the coaches saying after those tough losses? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the, the thing about the Manitoba losses in, in the quarterfinals for Ken West were, um, you know, I think we really underestimated them. Like that's a good team and they came and played and played their hearts out and we didn't and um you know we kind of that period of our season like the kind of few weeks leading up to that the playoffs were pretty like rocky i guess like it you know set a hitter connection not quite there missing thing missing digs that we should have made not passing super great serving just out the window and um and yeah, we just, we did not play the volleyball that we wanted to play in that match. And I think that that really like fired us up for, um, for the, for nationals because, um, you know, we, we got back in the lab and we were grinding. Like we took three weeks and basically like went back to the drawing board and was like, okay, like what are we doing here? We need to do X, Y, Z. Like we need to take the pipe. We got to block the outside editors. We got to like, you know, all these things. And, and working on the emotional side of our game too and the mental side of the game we really talked a lot about connection and like trust and belief in each other and um you know i i really honestly i think if things like if if we hadn't had that period of time to work on things we may not have you know won the title um just because it was so essential for us to to kind of get back to to the baseline and and really work on some of the things that had been the ones on our side for the whole season um, so it's really cool to see all those things come together in, in the big moment. Yeah. So just to add some more layers to that, because I think it's so cool. So there, there was no morning going on. So even though like other teams are preparing for a semifinal, you guys are back practicing and you've identified we need to work on this, this and this. Like, uh, did you get any personal feedback that, you know, we got to be able to hit line, you got to be able to block this zone? Like uh, how dialed in was everybody knowing that like, hey, we the job's not done. We still have work to do versus like it's got to be a little distracting knowing that other teams are playing for Canada West medals and you guys are still training for something else. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was a really kind of a weird period of time, and um, and yeah, like no matches to prepare for really. So we were just kind of like practicing, like you know, nothing like at the end of the week to to kind of measure our success by, um, you know, working blind a little bit. But um, yeah, and, and it was tough to watch um, the other Ken West teams, you know, go battle it out when knowing that we could have been there. But yeah, I think you know we we really did a good job resetting and just focusing up on what's you know coming ahead and knowing that like we can't do anything about that but we have an opportunity to go you know make an impact when it matters so and yeah we really worked a lot I mean personally like 
I like if you had talked to me two weeks ago, I would and told me I you know got 20 kills in the national final, I'd be like, you're God, you're kidding me because I <laughs> could not hit a ball. Like <laughs> it was truly, I got subbed out in that last Manitoba game. I was hitting negative, I think. Um, just and you know the connection wasn't there. My approach was terrible, like zero explosiveness. Um, my shot selection was just not good. Um, and yeah, so to be able to like get back in there and really like rep things out with the setters to you know work on hitting hands against that that came in huge against a massive Trinity team. You know that's a team that a month ago would have probably walked us you know off the court basically. And so yeah, I think it was it was really important to kind of refocus and and work on those smaller things. And it, yeah, I just totally put together when it mattered. Now, when the national draw gets announced, I'm sure for you it was par for the course because you're like, I don't know anybody anyway, so I'm just going to watch video and get prepared. <laughs> but uh, how did your team respond where you're playing an Ontario team where um, I think Brock has maybe done some West Coast trips, but I don't know if they would have played you guys uh, very much or certainly not recently, maybe preseason at best. So how did you guys prepare for a team that really only had a couple matches of video to study? Yeah, yeah, I think it was lucky almost that we were playing them first um, because you know, we were, they're the team that we were least familiar with. And, um, and yeah, they kind of play a very different style of volleyball than I think we're used to seeing. We had played them in like over the Christmas break in some random scrimmages. Um, but you know, those are not really indicative of any team's ability to go win. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was, we were lucky that we played them first and, and yeah, to try to prepare for, a team like that, I mean, OUHMs, they're, they're a great team. Um, and they, I mean, they took it to us. And um, there were some moments when I was like, I'm like, we could really let this match go. <laughs> I guess it's a little worrying. Um, but, you know, I think when you're when you're looking at three matches in a row like that, you really, like, as important as it is to scout the other team, you really have to focus on what's going on on your side of the net and, like, things that you can control because, like, you don't know who you're going to see the next day, right? So you can't really prepare all that much um so we did you know we had a week to prepare for them but we really mainly focused on like what we were going to do and um and yeah we really game planned hard um on our side of the net and then you advance one round further and what was the mood when manitoba's name pops up like were you guys thinking like revenge game this is awesome this is what we wanted or was any sense of you like oh here we go again <laughs> i think I think everybody was probably putting on a bit of a brave face. I think there was definitely a little bit of um, worry maybe, because again, that's a really good team. We underestimated them the first time and who knows what they would bring the next time. But yeah, we, I, I think people were, you know, just trying to get ourselves hyped up and amped up that like we have the opportunity to go basically correct what we had, you know, done before. Um, and, and yeah, we did it in the right moment. It was really sick. And, and yeah, to be able to kind of draw on the things that we had already game planned for them, like in playoffs, but to build on what we were doing on our side, it was, I think that was just totally a difference. And, and to be familiar with that team too, it made it a little bit more of a fun match where we both knew each other. And so, you know, we were kind of like, oh, we, I know already that this shot's not going to work, so I'll make this shot. And then, oh, that was there. I made a great dig. Like, you know, just that kind of like, it, just the back and forth is really fun being familiar with the team. And do you remember what was said after the first set? Because I imagine you guys are preparing for them. You're thinking revenge game, but then they beat you 25-20. Like, was any part of you then being like, man, we just can't shake these guys because you guys respond and beat them 20 and then 16 and 14. Like, you whittled them down. But I'm curious, who was the voice after the first set and what was the message? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think obviously Doug, you know, gets in there and he's just he, you know, it's funny. I, a lot of the time, people are like, "What is he saying?" In the timeouts, I'm like, "I don't even remember." But like, I just remember <laughs> feeling like, "Okay, yeah, we got this." Like something about his mannerisms and and the words that he can find in those big moments. They're like he just always kind of knows how to get it out of us. And um, but I think also, you know, it, we we did we had the opportunity or the there was. The potential for us to really let that game kind of slip through our fingers in that second set and we didn't um and just you know i the connection on the court and the leadership on the court from certain players too like to you know come in and the eye contact like i believe in you i know you have this point um when you know we're down 1-0 against a team that's already beaten us that's huge um so yeah i think it was really just like total team effort, but I mean, yeah, Doug is just great and the coaches always know what to say to get us going. And how did you feel prepared for that Trinity match? Because obviously you guys would have faced them in your own conference, um, but maybe some recency bias creeps in where they're playing a good Dalhousie team and they beat them 21-17 and 12 and you're like, can, can anybody beat these guys? Like they must have been playing out of their minds. So, uh, and obviously like your home crowd uh, court would be an advantage, but like you said earlier, they're down the road, so they probably have fans too. So it was probably a nuts environment for both teams. Uh, what was it like preparing for Trinity in that final? Oh man, it was like, yeah, I will never forget that. It was probably the most like stressed I've ever been <laughs> prepping for a match. Um, and yeah, you're right. You know, their fans were there too, and they really showed out and, um, and yeah, I mean, Trinity, they are a great team. Like, I really can't overstate just how tough they are to play. Um, and, you know, part of me kind of wants to be like, it just happened to be our day because, you know, it was so freaking close. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, prepping for a team like that, like, you just kind of have to accept that it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a really tough match. They're not going to just roll over the way that maybe other teams did and our regular season and we and yeah we lost to them twice in five in our in regular season and and I think you know it's always big when we get to play Trinity but it was really I don't know I think we just totally found a way to roast to rise the occasion um and yeah the, there's just so many factors there like the environment um the prep what we were doing on our side of the net like yeah it was just a bunch of stuff that kind of came together in the right at the right time I know I keep saying that but it really just feels that way now in a match like that where does your mind typically go as an individual like are you aware you're getting 55 attempts that match do you want the ball that much are you just in a flow state and you when you maybe saw the stats at the end of the game or like oh that's surprising like were you aware of how much volume you were getting no not at all um and actually the first uh my first attempt I got absolutely stuffed like by on the right side and um, and I remember thinking like oh man like this could be a long game for me because <laughs> and in, in again in regular season I had not attacked very well against Trinity um, I think I yeah I think it negative and at least one of those matches and um, and yeah it was I don't you know I just I mean as an outside hitter you got to prepare for a lot of volume especially in a game like that when you know you're leaving the other system a lot um, but yeah I, I wasn't really. I don't know. I try to kind of keep the stats and stuff out of my head. And, and yeah, I was just like dialed. I've never really felt like that in a game before. Like, especially once we got into that second set, like after we won the first, I was like, Oh yeah, like we're just going. And, and, you know, I've been in, in stressful games like that before, you know, your heart gets going, your mind is racing a little bit, but I was just like, I, I remember thinking it's so strange. Like 
I can't even feel my heart in my chest right now. Like I'm not even tired. It's not even beating hard because I'm tired. Like, you know, and I was like, this is so weird. Like what's happening? And I think it was just total like flow state. Um, and yeah, kind of looking up at the board at the end and seeing like how many kills there, I was like, there's no way. Like how did that happen? And as an attacker, how do you like to communicate with your setters? Like you mentioned, you just get absolutely slammed the first attempt. Like how did Kayla not lose trust in you? Like how are you communicating that like they feel free to to give you 55 more tries to like to win the game for them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think as a hitter, like you always have to, you know, take some responsibility. Um, even, you know, that set, that set that I was just talking about a little bit tight, a little bit low, but, you know, could have done something better with it. And it's the first set of the game to me. So... I just, you know, turn around and say, hey, you got a little higher and off. And Kayla was already like, yep, I got you. Like, next one's going to be better. Um, and, yeah, I think really developing that trust with your setter. I think, again, there was a period of time in the middle of the season where I felt like maybe I had lost her trust or I didn't trust myself to produce. Um, and and so to to see that she could trust me in those big moments and to have that communication, like, I trust you, you trust me, I believe in both of us, like, we're going to go score this point together. Um, it was just huge. And, and yeah, I mean, technically, technically, you know, we've been working a lot on set height and speed and stuff like that and, and really working on our connection. Um, and, and that just totally came through in, in that match. Like, you know, I thought she played out of her freaking mind saying with Izzy or rookie setter, <laughs> they were just, like, both of them just made it so easy for us as attackers. And so, yeah, I think um, it, that, you know, in the game, you really have to communicate well with your setter, but it's it's all the stuff leading up to that and all the work that the two of us have put in um, over the past three weeks of the season. And it's pretty special and unique that you got to play for a national championship at your home gym. And I, and I know the coaching staff you mentioned, they talked about managing distractions throughout the season. How did you personally manage it where there's a couple thousand people? It's got to be loud. You probably can't hear each other on the court to give that feedback to your setter. So uh, as an individual, how did you deal with those moments where it's just like, it's crazy right now, but I'm not going to start staring off into the crowd and get distracted, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, yeah, 2,100 people. It was just insane. And I've never played in front of a crowd that big. You know, I don't even know like what the biggest, most people I've played in front of, but um yeah, I think it was just, again, like, we just focused on on the six people on the court. And, and you know, our our whole team was just, like, eyes in to, to each other, like, eye to eye to each other. Um, and and I think we really fed off the energy from the crowd, you know, big home crowd, um, the Home Depot buckets and, you know, the shirts with our faces on it and all that stuff. And everybody's parents is there. And um, But, yeah, to be able to kind of, hear that and and sense it around you without like getting distracted it was huge and I really credit like everybody on our team for just like holding each other you know where we were and staying kind of focused in on what we were doing and um and and yeah I mean ultimately it was it just came down to like we were looking at each other not at the crowd and and that was like that was the key Nice. So you take this one down. Take me through the moments after the game. Are you looking for family and friends? Like, does Coach Reimer want to have a debrief or does he just let it go? Like, are you just running around with the banner and the trophy as a team? Like, what what was the celebration like and, and what was the, the plan afterwards, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I I was just insane. Like, I mean, the ball went down and I wasn't even sure quite if she had touched it. And then I just heard, like, the crowd erupt and everybody came running on the court and 
just like immediate tears, right? Like everybody's crying, everybody's screaming. And, and the fans rushed the court. So there were just like a bunch of people on the court, like just people everywhere, bodies everywhere. And like cameras in our faces and everybody's sobbing. It was crazy. And, um, you know, coming out with the hats and I'm like, what's this? Like, it just, you know, and, um, and yeah. And then like lining up for the medal ceremony and, and yeah, it was, it was just crazy. And yeah, finding like finding my people that came to support me and, um, and, you know, being able to say thank you for being there and, um, to take pictures of the trophy and all that stuff with them, you know, cause I really do, I think, you know, my parents and my friends and stuff, they really, I credit them a lot with for getting me here in the first place. Um, so to be able to have that, um, that moment with them afterwards was huge. Awesome. Yeah. So cool to hear your story and the behind the scenes. Uh, I got to know what's next. Are you in a two-year master? Like, do you still have another year of school, even though you won't be playing volleyball? Like what, what's next on your journey here? Um, I'm done this year. So um, I am going to be trying out for the national team. Wish me luck. Um, <laughs> in April. And um, which again, totally new for me. Never done it before. And um, I'm going to look for a contract to go play overseas. I'll go in the school and, and see if I can go play some pro and, and get paid for this. <laughs> awesome. So cool to hear. So have you uh, started the talks of getting an agent and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's something that even a year ago, I would have told me that I'd be doing that. I'd be like, you are out of your mind. There's no way. Like, I don't, that wasn't even a possibility for me. And so I think, um, yeah, it's, it's all happening really fast. But, you know, I'm really, really lucky that I have so many people around me who have done it before and who you know, know me and know what I'm looking for and, and are willing to help me have a good experience and find an agent and find somewhere to go play and have a good time. So yeah, I'm hoping that that works out for me. Now, uh, with you, uh, for lack of a better term, growing up in the USA, maybe being identified as an American, how did you reach out to either Shannon or Caroline or somebody at Volleyball Canada to get yourself on the radar? Obviously, you had a big year at UBC, but was any part of them being like, no, I'm pretty sure Elise is American? <laughs> yeah yeah and I think um I think Doug probably had a hand in that a little bit um last year at playoffs actually he he mentioned to me he, he, he told me he wanted me to try out but I had um I had a master's obligation over the summer so I couldn't do um play with the team but um yeah and, and I was kind of like do they like would I be allowed to do that like and then he was like oh yeah 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 like the fact that you're here yeah yeah you'll be fine you know just <laughs> implying that like because I'm playing here they should know that I'm Canadian um and so yeah it was it was nice to to kind of know that like I have that opportunity if I want it and then yeah to just you know fired off my little my tape and got a nice response from Shannon so yeah, I'm hoping that uh, that works out for me yeah so cool so it's so cool to hear your story and kind of connected to that national championship where you had a huge game and uh, obviously you're a big part of the community hopefully a lot of Canadian fans are jumping on the bandwagon here but uh, we've made a tradition on the show where uh, the volleyball community is pretty great and unique so I imagine something funny happened along the way that I was hoping you could share one more funny story before we let you go sure yeah I've got I'll, I'll put a couple in one um so my freshman year at Dartmouth um Dartmouth like I mentioned they have a lot of resources and stuff and this is DP2 this Dartmouth people Columbus, and it's basically all of the things um that, you know, go into making you great off the court, right? Like mental performance, leadership, nutrition, I think strength training is in there, stuff like that. And our mental performance guy, his name was Faldo, and this guy played, at, he played football at Army West Point, and, like, 
he looked like it, right? Like he trained Navy SEALs, like this guy was the real deal. And I don't know why he was our mental performance coach for a bunch of 20 year old girls in Dartmouth, but whatever. Um, and he, you know, he tells us that we're going to do a team activity and to bring a swimsuit and we're going to the pool. So we're all like, yay, pool day, like go to the pool, get in the pool. And he hands us a sweatshirt and tells us to get in and start putting the sweatshirt on and off, treading water. Like, and we had to do it 50 something times. So it was like 18 minutes. And people were like, you're putting a, like the sweatshirt's soaking wet. It's going over your face. You can't touch the bottom. People are like drowning legitimately, like panicking, having to be rescued. And, um, and you know, he's like treating it like there's no, no big deal. And um, at the end of it all, he's like, wasn't that so great? And we're kind of like, what the hell, man? Like, that was so weird. Come back the next year. And he's like, all right, teammates, we're going to the woods. And um, and we go out in the middle of nowhere. Mind you, this is like the New Hampshire wilderness. Like, we are out in the woods. And um, he pulls out a, one of those, like, emergency stretchers, like the orange ones that you, you know, carry somebody who's injured on, and tells our assistant coach to get on it, and tells us that we're going to carry her for, like, two kilometers up into the woods. Um, we get into the woods and, and he's, he goes, I hope that you guys opened that email that I sent you teaching you how to tie knots. And we were all like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, we were like, what is going on here? And, um, he, we go, we get to the top of the hill and he clips us all into harnesses and we're like belaying across this like river. Like we're, we're like so high up in the air. Like if we felt we were toast, right? Like there's no, you know, it, like everybody's like, what is happening right now like where are we what is going on go across the river rappel down the side into the river swim down the rapids get out he tells us that we have to pick a song to sing so we sing the least enthusiastic rendition of miley cyrus's decline you've ever heard um and then and then he's like all right wasn't that a fun team bonding activity like go get changed and, and out of your wet clothes and we'll go back to campus and um and our team goes off in the woods to go change and quickly discovers that the river had leeches. Um, and now we all have leeches. And in the leech-induced like panic that was going on, everybody's like getting changed, right? We're like half naked, leeches all over us, getting changed, like running around. Somebody steps in a hole and it has like a beehive or something in it. So there's bees everywhere. Like it was just like chaos, man, chaos. And at the end of it all, we like get back in the van and are like, dude, this is like, like, what the hell just happened? And he was like, like, that's going to treat you so well. You know, like this is, this is the foundation for a great season right here. Like, this is really like, you guys have learned so much today. And we were just sitting there like, what is like, what the hell? Like what just happened? And yeah, we did not have a very good relationship with water. Um, I don't know well, but yeah, just that was, I will never forget that. Just the leeches, like taking your shirt off and realizing that there's leeches all over you. <laughs> never would have happened without volleyball, for sure. I would never have gotten leeches if I didn't play on volleyball team, so. For sure. I wonder, there was never like a formal debrief. It was just like, oh, you guys learned a lot today. Like, meanwhile, you're like, what did we learn by doing that? <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, I learned how to like tie a knot and remove a leech from my body. Cool, thanks. Like, it's really going to help me on the court. Uh, very strange, but kind of funny. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That definitely goes in our in our top ten of all time great stories. That yeah, you wouldn't have got an experience without being a high level volleyball player. So at least there's that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you so much for, for answering a message and coming on just like the, the same week you won nationals. It was so cool to hear the behind the scenes and how you guys did it. And just congratulations on everything you've done and, and best of luck in the future. Oh, thank you so much.